The continent of Africa generates only 2 to 3 percent of the world's carbon dioxide emissions. Yet Africans are at the heart of the global climate emergency. They pay a high price for the emissions produced elsewhere. From droughts to floods, food shortages and loss of livelihood for millions of people. So will rich countries which produce the most emissions own up to their responsibility? And how will African nations harness a climate resilient pathway? I am Rasul Sardar at Africa Adaptation Summit in Rotterdam. African leaders came to the Netherlands hoping to lay foundation for tackling a hotter, harsher and more unpredictable climate. But while some European countries sent delegations, no Western leader attended the sessions. I also like to greet all the leaders present here in this room. But I cannot help but note with some bitterness the absence of uh, leaders from the industrial world. I think if we made the effort to leave Africa to come to Rotterdam, it would be easier for the Europeans and others to be here because they are the main polluters on this planet. So can they succeed? And will they harness the powerful synergies between adaptation, growth and development? We will put those questions to one of Africa's leading voices. The president of Senegal and the chairperson of the African Union, Macky Sall, talks to Al Jazeera. President of Senegal and the chairperson of the African Union, Macky Sall, thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Uh, Mr. President, Africans are paying a high price for the carbon dioxide emissions produced in other regions. But those responsible for most of emissions, the USA, China, Russia, Japan, European countries and their leaders are not here today. So do you think that they own up their responsibility? Thank you. We had an important summit today in Rotterdam, which was a meeting on the adaptation in Africa and how to finance this program. You're right to say that there are countries that are mainly responsible for climate warming through their industrialization and their consumption in the industrialized countries in the West or in Asia. And it was normal that the principle over which we all agreed, which is the principle of polluting countries, the countries that are mainly responsible for climate warming, finance the adaptation in Africa, which happens to be the continent that pollutes the less, which is responsible for less than 3.5% of CO2 emissions, and which suffers the most the consequences of climate imbalance that Africa is supported in this policy of adaptation. Yes, we were sometimes appointed not to have seen the big leaders of those countries in these industrialized countries, European or otherwise, that these industrialized countries are the center for the global adaptation. They should have been there, and especially because it's Africa that's organizing the next COP in Sheikh, Egypt, and it would have been an important signal. But uh, we had contributions announced to finance already the Center of Adaptation for, to finance the preparation in the acceleration of the adaptation in Africa. And we have a program of $25 billion to which the African Development Bank will contribute half of the 12 
and a half billion dollars. But in the meantime, we're waiting for the financing of the feasibility studies and the implementation, and that's 250 million. And today's meeting was to see the contribution by a certain number of European countries and other industrialized countries to raise this financing that would allow, and indeed, by way of a lever, a raising on the markets in the private and state sectors, the $25 billion, the half remaining, so that the continent can be supported in its policies. So regarding the, regarding the climate change, do you think that Africa is on the top of the agenda or the world or the European countries, the developed world, will fail Africans as it has happened on other issues, most recently during the pandemic? You know, when we talk about Africa, everyone is very friendly. Everyone adopts resolutions. But at the same time, we also have to be grateful that what is done in partnership with Africa, there are programs, there are policies, but it's not sufficient, clearly. Africans believe globally, overall, that um, what is in progress in terms of partnership with the continent will never allow the continent to emancipate itself, to develop itself like other regions in the world. Yet the development of Africa is in the interest of the whole of humanity because Africa, first of all, is a big market, a vast continent which has natural resources that are important. And if we transform these natural resources, we create added value and we create employment and all the other continents will be able to come and develop partnerships in a win-win situation. So we clearly, we can see that our expectations are often, uh, we are let down. And that is the least that we can say, for example, with regards to COVID since, right, since the beginning, beyond the COVAX initiative, when clearly there was a support came late, but to make available a certain amount of millions of vaccine doses, what's lead related to the production of vaccines on the continent and the necessary support, even announced it's late. We're now in the third year of COVID. Everything that's been said on the opportunity hasn't been applied. The big countries can have plans to issue bonds. They could be issued uh, treasury bills, and it's not the case for African countries because they're badly rated. They're badly rated. And so I would have wished to have more solidarity, see more solidarity in the interest of the whole of the planet for climate development and also for diseases. But we cannot say that what's, what's been done is, is very insufficient with regards to expectations. How is Europe committing to help Africa tackle a hotter, harsher, and more unpredictable uh, climate? Yes, Europe's commitment, as well as that of the developed world, we mustn't just focus uh, climate just on Europe, Africa, but Europe plays an important part. Uh, their commitment is to finance already the adaptation the adaptation schemes in Africa, because if Africans follow the same path as Europeans, the Chinese, the people in Asia and the Americans, it means that we'll be using polluting resources like coal or, pet or oil. And if we have to industrialize ourselves on that basis, the planet will disappear. So the fact of not following the same path there must be compensation that we find alternative solutions for have sober solutions in carbon. The fact that we're asking for it is not just uh, a request for help, it's that the planet, we must protect it together. The best 
thing for Europe, for China, Asia and America to support us is to finance the adaptation program, which will be done normally, I hope, at Sharm el-Sheikh. If it's not done, uh, people will face the consequences and will just have to deal with their own development programs. What are the unique um, challenges regarding the climate change that Africa faces? Africa has a lot of challenges because we've seen uh, imbalance, climate imbalance with the rainy season have changed. It's not at the same time of year, it's irregular. The non-predictability has become the reality. We don't know from one year to the next if we have to face flooding and we need to stop flooding. And it's at the global level. You have Pakistan, you have Europe, you have America, you have Africa. Everywhere there is flooding. So we will work to dominate flooding and the next year it will be droughts. So that is the effect of climate change. So at the same time, we need to prepare ourselves to, to show resilience in relation to these climate change and their effects. At the same time, we have the rising sea levels, coastal protection, there's a lot of destruction. With regards to natural phenomena, cyclones, we saw recently in Madagascar, in southern Africa, the real massive destruction and several people who died. And we must also, at the same time, have a form of adaptation in relation to our farming to have vegetal species that will adapt themselves with the stopping of the raining and the shortening of wintering. So research and development must continue to give solutions and also fertilizers to our farming and to have value th through the chain, the whole range with the whole supply chain and all the chains, value change and added value. So as you can see, there are several challenges and it requires a lot of funding. And that's why we're saying Africa needs a partnership and we're no longer in a period of help for development because it doesn't solve the problem. Over 60 years, aid hasn't provided any progress. But on the other hand, the partnership requires investment from the private sector and dealing with climate change. We need private investment, but also we need to have state funding which is adapted over the long term at relatively low rates that will allow us to finance our development. So, Mr. President, do you think that the world understands the dimensions of the uh, climate change, the impact of the climate change on Africa's perspective? Yes, Europe's commitment, as well as that of the developed world, we don't, mustn't just point out all the collaboration between Europe and Africa. Europe plays a, a big part. I think that their commitment is to finance already the adaptation program in Africa because if the Africans followed the same path as the Europeans and the Asians and the Chinese and the Americans, it means that we will also use polluting resources, coal and oil. If we need to industrialize ourselves on that basis, the planet will disappear. So the fact of not following the same path, there must be compensation that we find alternative solutions, an energy mix that is straightforward in terms of carbon. So the fact that we are asking for it is not a request that, or help. No, it is that the planet, together, we need to protect it. And the best way for Europe, for China, for Asia, for America, 
to support us is to fund the adaptation uh, program, which will be done normally, I hope, at Sharm el Sheikh. If, if not, people will face the consequences and will find their own development uh, paths. So in that regard, what is the significance of the Africa Adaptation Summit today and also what is your idea of success for Africa at this summit? The success of Africa is that the summit must prepare the Charm Sheikh for COP27 that will take place in Egypt. If, of course, after the Rotterdam summit, summit where we didn't see many leaders, uh, there were representatives, but I think that it would have been a good signal, a good sign, but especially that the expected contributions are obtained by the time of COP27. We have two months and that by then we need to make countries, all the countries, aware, including the Arab countries, that they contribute truly in the adaptation. They're countries also that produce a lot of oil. So all that contributes to the reducing of the ozone layer and climate warming. So it's a global problem. And all those that take part in the pollution that they work, that they have relief programs. I saw it in certain countries of the Gulf. Renewable energy programs. But at the same time, we need to participate in the adaptation, like the formerly industrialized nations, Asia, and uh, all that one has to work together, Africa too, that everyone works, to have uh, policies that are straightforward in terms of carbon and also to provide electricity to all Africans. It's important that, that to lay down the foundations for COP27, but during the COP26 there was lots of uh, promises made, but they were not kept. So in that sense, do you think that the Western countries are walking the talk when it comes to the climate change? Everyone must face its responsibilities when we're talking about the climate and saving the planet. planet. I think that at the COP21, the Paris summit, it was very difficult to find the, an agreement. The agreement was finally obtained. One of the vital basic points was that the funding of this Green Climate Fund that was estimated at $100 billion over 10 years, 2020-2030. We're now in 2022. The first $100 billion have not been received. We hope that we'll get there by the time of COP27. But, you know, every country will do what it wishes to do, what it likes. Either it, it will contribute or not, and um, history will judge it. But it's true. There's, there's a lot of commitment that were, were not followed up. Uh, there are certainly countries that do make an effort, but these efforts must be global and that each country pays its own contribution. I don't want to really sort of uh, just point out one particular given group. I think climate is, affects everyone, the industrialized countries, the countries in development. Everyone must contribute in the collective effort it is also time that we stop, have clear conscience commitments to make commitments after a meeting and that's forgotten and that must not continue. And we've stated it again this morning that whilst being optimistic by nature, I really 
and waiting for the summit of COP27 and we'll see this time if really there'll be, because if the COP takes place in Africa and that nothing solid is achieved, there's no point in continuing uh, or to take part. You know, might as well do something else. That's what I believe. I remain convinced that we'll get there. European Union is keen to see African countries turning their economy into a green one, but with the financial crisis hitting the African economies. Is it fair to ask African countries to turn into green economies? And it is, is it fair to ask them to do it particularly at this moment when many of the African countries have just recently discovered tremendous resources of gas and oil? It's not normal or fair to ask countries of which half the population does not yet have access to electricity, to ask those countries to abandon traditional energy resources and switch to renewable energy. It's not acceptable. We said so at the time of the Glasgow summit Today, currently, we have in Africa at least 600 million Africans out of 1.3, 1.4 billion population. 600 million do not have access to electricity, they don't have lighting, they're still using candles and so on. And what's at stake for our governments is to give, provide electricity to that population. So in these conditions, how can you say to countries who contribute very little to climate warming, abandon natural resources and switch to solar energy and or renewable energy. It's not a coherent argument for Africa. But we were able to obtain in February with the European Union a compromise. This compromise consists of saying to Africa there must be a transition period during which it can use its energy. Of course, whilst having an energy mix using both renewable energy, but also there must be a basic note and gas, for instance, shows promises, but we need to fund gas. And uh, that's why we're saying that we are also waiting funding for gas. And Europe consumes gas, even coal. All the big countries consume gas and coal and oil. And why shouldn't Africans not have the right to do the same? So I think that if, uh, if we're helped to finance the adaptation, perhaps we could do without it. But in the meantime, our natural resources need to be revalued to provide energy to our populations and to make our countries competitive whilst working on straightforward plans just uh, days before the Ukraine war, an EU-Africa summit was, uh, was held. Have the, um, the energy prices uh, in Europe affected your plan to go green, particularly regarding the fact that some of the European leaders say that they're interested in increasing the production of oil and gas in Africa? The Ukraine crisis has shown the dependency of Europe on Russian gas and current that we see currently. So Europe is seeking alternative solutions. Of course, Africa, which is one of the solutions in this context, Africa is not far from Europe. Africa has natural resources that are important, oil or gas. 
And yes, there is. we are seeking supply solutions apart from the Middle East because the world is globalized because Africa could in part contribute in supplying the European market with gas, but also African gas must be also uh, deal with the local market. Gas for export, yes, because we need funding, but we also have to have an internal approach for development because it wouldn't make sense for our countries to produce gas and to continue to have people who no longer, who don't have electricity while we're exporting it. There needs to be a balance. Part will be used for the local, local market uh, to provide elect cheap electricity and the other part will be used to supply the external market, the European market, to provide funding for development. Mr. President, there seems to be an anti-France and anti-UN sentiment on rise in several African countries. However, France and the UN says that they are there to help with the security challenges. So do you think that the African countries can handle these challenges without help from France and the UN? We always ask Africa to do what no one else can do, and that's the problem in the world. When the United States is fighting against terrorism in Afghanistan, we had a, a global coalition to go to Afghanistan for 20 years. In Iraq, when it was necessary to fight IS, there was a global coalition. Even in Libya, there had to be uh, NATO coalition. When we talk about Africa fighting against t terrorism, is Africa capable on its own? No, no, because it requires a lot of resources that it doesn't have. And the role of the UN Security Council, which is responsible for the security and stability in the world, it must be to finance the fight against terrorism in Africa. Africans are ready to fight. They have the armies. They don't have financial resources to have a long-term war when whilst they they have priorities on development health and education and the building of roads and so forth so we must stop to judge africa in such a way every time we talk about the continent and what we're capable of course we're capable but everyone must work together to provide funding and who is giving weapons to the terrorists how is it that suddenly sometimes in africa we have terrorist gangs and what is the con global contribution to put an end to that? These are all questions that we need to ask ourselves. Africa deserves that the international community funds Africans can fight. We have the armies that the African Union has designed, has, has talked about a structure for peace and has forces in each country's but we need resources, planes, drones, and we need to equip the country, countries with soldiers, and that's not in our, within our capacity, capability. You know, when we're dealing with the Ukraine crisis, climate warming, it's far too much for a continent that is already weakened, and that's why that like Europe after the Second World War, when everything was destroyed, it was necessary to have a Marshall Plan to provide a lot of resources and funding to rebuild uh, Europe, to have funding over one year, 100 years or 50 years at a low rate, 0%, 1% over 50 years, and that's what Africa needs. If we need to um, raise, have 
three are upon seven percent from one country, eight, nine percent for another. How can we build roads, power plants? We, we can't ask Africa to do the impossible. But I believe that together with our renewed partnerships, with which is proactive, Africa can develop. And when Africa will develop itself, there will be an opportunity for all parts of the world. Everyone can come and invest and then achieve results. There are natural resources. We need to transform them on site to create employment on the continent and not have transport across the desert and all the Sahara to Europe. I believe in a win-win in a partnership between Africa and the rest of the world and we we will never stop to plead for that and uh, with the respect of Africa's di dignity there's no reason that that is not achieved. President of Senegal and the chairperson of the African Union, Maki Sell. Thank you for talking to Al Jazeera. Merci beaucoup. Thank you.